Welcome back to Single Minded. I was about to say where we're flipping the script on being single. No. I still. <laughs> this is the podcast for independent thinkers who are following their own path. I think that's right. I may have got that slightly wrong. But we are also flipping and you the are? script on being single. My name's Hannah First. <laughs> and I'm your host. <laughs> I think people know who I am that I'm the host because I'm talking right now. Now you go. I'm Linda, the co host. Yeah. And your she's- mother. Linda is also my mother. Now, mum, I did have an update. So on another podcast that I do, BDIQ Uncensored, which most of you will know, we did a psychic reading. Oh, yeah. So, mum. I love psychic reading. So we did a psychic reading for one of our segments and listen to this. So firstly, she saw the number six at the start Ooh. and then she saw the number nine later on. Six nine, and then what she said the nine was about was that I'm not seeing romance or like meeting someone the moment. She actually said she saw me living overseas and traveling a lot next year, but she said I'm seeing September 2022. Yes, she she said I'm seeing either Greek or Italian. Like I think that's your type. How would she know that? Well, she may have listened to you on the odd no, occasion. she doesn't no, know never. me. She, oh, she doesn't know you at all. She doesn't know me at all. We've never met before. <laughs> she has no idea who I am. But she said she thought we'd be married within 12 months, like it would go really okay. quickly. Back up with the Pinterest board. So, no, so what she said was my energy was a yellow aura, which is like bold and confident. And then she said, I'm seeing him being the same aura as you. So you guys are really like got this same bold energy. Okay. I'm very excited. And then the other thing that was really weird was that she said, and I haven't said this publicly anywhere, but you know, yesterday I said to you, I want to leave by April. Yes. She said, I'm seeing you moving overseas. I'm seeing April. And I was like, oh, my God, I just said that to my mom yesterday, that April's my date, that I need to be packed up. That's the date. (laughs) (laughs) And did she mention that you needed a spare room at my place? No, nothing like that. Well, (laughs) for everyone listening that hasn't seen on Instagram, I have pretty much made the decision that I'm going to go to Thailand longer term or at least give it a go for a good like six months to a year back and forth from Melbourne and Copenhagen. So if anyone wants to come with me Mm. and live as digital nomads, I found co-working spaces. It's just so set up for digital nomads and everything that I do is remote now. All my work is remote. So there's no reason why there's nothing holding me back. Just me and baby Lexi. No, none of that's holding me back. I, no. I'm okay. It's not my baby. Like that's true. I love her, but she's not my baby. It's not mine either, but it'd hold me back. Yeah. So this was getting into the intro topic that I wanted to talk about, which was the big resignation. Lots of people have seen this in the media lately. The big resignation or the big quit, I think it's called. Sorry, it's called The Great Resignation or The Big Quit. Yes, I had to Google it. I had no idea. So there's been a trend where there's been like a a spike in, I think it was since April. April was the spike Mm. where people are like resigning en masse from their jobs and there's going to be like a labor shortage and yeah, it's got all these flow on effects. But I was listening to a podcast that Ruby recommended. It is the minimalist private podcast. You've got to pay via Patreon. And the episode was called The Great Resignation. And I don't know what all the data says about why people are resigning, but I think people are resigning because they've had two years to reassess. This is why I resigned. 
because you have all this time on your own to reassess what you really want from your life. Mm, Interesting. But for me, next year is going to be about working less hours and really it'll be about lifestyle design. Yeah, I really want to design my lifestyle and my work comes second to the life that I want to live, not Mm. the other way around. Like my work has to revolve around my life. And then it'll have to fit in this new September 2022 partner. Yes. Yeah, well, she also said he was good with money and he had a good career and she thought I might meet him overseas. And yeah, so it was all very positive, which I generally genuinely don't think there's anyone for me in Melbourne. I've, I've met like 30 different I men know, this year I just can't and like even... no, no one is aligned to what I want from my life. No one is like values aligned. I have no interest anymore. You can keep dating. <laughs> I've given up for you. I'm not dating at the moment. I'm just Good. waiting to go to Thailand at this stage. Just very quickly, I just wanted to thank the listener that messaged you to tell me to go yes. back and watch season one and two of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yep. And it starts in 2010 lots of bandage dresses. Do you mm-hmm. remember those? Yes, yes. And towering pumps that are patent leather. Mm. So I've had to purchase both seasons on Apple, but it was well worth the $30. So thank you to whoever you are that recommended. I don't know what I'm going to do when it's all over, but maybe someone's got another recommendation. Yeah, and the only other thing was like this obviously is a really like 10-minute intro, so I can't really deep dive into like quitting your job and freelancing and digital nomads and all that sort of stuff. So I'm planning to do more on that later on. So we'll like definitely go more into this topic because I think it's a really relevant one to anyone that's single and wanting to like take the leap to live a different way for a while because I am doing it. I was thinking if you had a mortgage, it'd be a problem, but actually it wouldn't be because you just rent your place out so you're fine. Rent your place out. Yeah. Mm. As long as you're earning enough to like cover your living expenses and then cover the Mm. rest of your mortgage, I think longer term that would be my plan anyway. But for now, Thailand is all I can think about. Let's get into the interview. I'm chatting to Jess from The Boy Detox about falling in love with her best friend. It's a great story. So really excited for today's chat. I am joined by Jess Matthews, also known as The Boy Detox on Instagram. She is a relationship and dating coach. But today we're doing something a little bit different because she is joining me to talk from her personal experience and we've chosen a topic that I think like I'm so excited to unpack this. But I just sent you a message about 20 minutes ago and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm running 15 minutes late. I just finished a five-hour date. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be honest because we're talking about dating anyway. I ended up making it on time, but I'm in a really good mood for this chat, I think, after that date. So let's get into the questions. You fell in love with your best friend. I'd really love to hear the story. Why did you break up? Are you you know, out dating now? Give us the lowdown on your dating history. Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying this is probably the first time that I've ever told this story to anybody other than my closest friends. So I'm not nervous about being on a podcast, but I'm nervous about telling this story to other people mm. just because it was yeah so personal and so different to anything that I had ever experienced. And even at the time, it was really, really difficult to get my close friends to understand what was going on and to grasp it so yeah I just wanted to kind of start with that caveat I know that feeling because I went on a podcast and I'd never told the story of my vulnerability journey because I 
I just had never told the story. It was weird. So I like appreciate how you're feeling right now. Yeah. And also, God forbid he ever hears this. I mean, he would, he knows exactly what happened, but still it would be like, oh my God, she's actually telling the story to other people. So anyway, it's a pretty long story, so I'm going to try and cut it short. Basically, I connected with this guy for the purpose of the story. I'm going to call him Will via Instagram. He was a fan of my writing and at that stage he was living in America. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit via Instagram and got to know each other a little bit. And he's also a writer. So we kind of had some common ground. When he came back to Australia, we realized that we had a mutual friend. And although his friendship with that person had kind of diluted and didn't really exist anymore, we decided that we would meet each other once he actually moved in accidentally down the road from my house. So he's about 12 minutes away. So, you know, we'd been talking long enough to know that we'd had some things in common and he ended up coming over to my house one afternoon before I was going on a date. So I was having a couple of drinks, first time I met him. And I think instantly we knew that we would be friends, like we were comfortable Mm -hmm. together. It was easy to talk to him and both of us are are really open-minded, which set the scene for the relationship down the track. Okay. So over the next couple of months, he would regularly pop over and we would talk for hours, like have drinks, whatever, chat about whatever was going on. And he is a particularly charming guy. He's a writer. He's pretty attractive, although I never thought he was attractive to start with. Mm -hmm. And he has no problem attracting women. Mm -hmm. And given the fact that I love talking about dating and relationships, he would always confide in me and... Mm. I always kind of understood that he had a different view of relationships and he wasn't a fan of commitment. So for him, relationships with women were sort of transient and mostly sexual, but I I never looked down on that. Over time, the friendship grew to a place where we were really close and you know that feeling where you make a new friend and you realise they're becoming like a best friend and regardless of the gender, you're kind of obsessed with each other. Mm-hmm. You just like can't wait to see each other, always texting, telling each other everything and that's exactly mm. what I had with him and it was just so beautiful because I was I was just developing this new friendship out of nowhere. You didn't have any thought in the back of your mind at all? It was truly, truly a friendship. Yeah, and... For context, I'm a girl that has, growing up, has always been around guys. I'm good with guys. Mm -hmm. I've always had a lot of guy friends. So this was nothing new to me. It was just like, he's my homie. Like we would literally say, bro, homie to each other. You know, he'd tell me X, Y, Z about whatever he was doing with other girls. And it was just completely platonic. But we were obsessed with each other when we were Mm. becoming friends. Uh, Yeah, there was no feelings of attraction or chemistry. We just enjoyed each other's company. And we kind of grew into this like space of deep love and sort of protectiveness and mm-hmm. probably a little bit of possessiveness. I know on both of our behalves, we're very, very possessive and protective of our close friends and we're mm-hmm. protective of this newfound connection that we have. At one stage, he introduced me to his group of friends and they were shocked because they knew he's not a guy that brings a girl to brunch. That's not what he does. But he was mm-hmm. like, no, but it's completely different with her. She's one of the boys. It's it's Jess, you know. Mm-hmm. So that kind of all happened. And then one of his best friends started dating one of my best friends 
So that left a bit of a space in both of our lives. So we were kind of more pushed together, mm-hmm. like more forced to spend time together. One night we went to a party with the new couple and he came back to my place, which is completely normal. And we were like sitting around talking for a few hours and he decided that he would stay over. And it was the most natural thing ever is like getting into bed with your best friend and like just curling up and going to sleep. However, (laughs) at one point he started like stroking my hair and I was like, what's he doing? (laughs) We went to sleep and in the morning we woke up and we nearly kissed. What do you mean nearly kissed? Like lips almost touched? Yeah, yeah. Are we cuddling? We were cuddling at this point. Okay. And and this is also really significant because he's not an intimate guy. Like he would have sex with women, not cuddle. So this is a a big thing for him and probably quite a big thing for me as well to let somebody into my space. Yeah. So, yeah, in the morning we sort of started almost to fall around, but then we stopped. Like we both stopped it because we knew that we had this like really unique platonic friendship. And we didn't want to ruin it. And he was so worried because in his past, he's always ruined everything with women. Mm. He's like, you know, I'm like kryptonite for women. I ruin everything. And you're so special to me. Like, I don't want this to be just like any other woman. Mm. So over the next couple of weeks, we actively discussed whether we were going to be intimate within the relationship. Um, I feel like that's pretty sexy in itself. Exactly. Like it you want to, but you, I can see how that would sort of build tension. It was so hard. And I remember <laughs> all through this time leading up to this, I remember checking in with myself and saying like, do you like him, Jess? Do you like this guy? Mm. But I was like, no, you know, it's just, I love him. He's just such a good friend. And I'm just so happy with this friendship. And I feel so comfortable and so safe and yeah, so protective of this relationship. Anyway, we started discussing what it would be like to have sex and we went back and forth about it and eventually we did and it wasn't it wasn't fireworks straight away but it was just very natural mm-hmm. and eventually it ended up being very passionate and arguably probably the best sex of my life over mm-hmm. the period. But After that, I was terrified of what was happening and he was terrified because he had always said to me from the get-go about any woman, you know, I'm I'm not looking for commitment. I don't want a relationship. I'm not that type of guy. Had he had a relationship, like a deeply connected, intimate relationship before? Yeah, he had. Yeah, okay. And I think he was probably a year out of one in which she kind of forced him to move in with him and he was still in retrospect, probably healing from that, you know? Yeah. So he was certainly not looking for anything. And I knew that. Like, I was his best mate. Mm. I did everything. Like, I had, yeah. I had showed me all his cards, which is what made it so difficult. So I was terrified. I didn't necessarily yeah. in a relationship. I wasn't looking for it, but it was just so natural and so nice that I was going with it, but always checking in with myself and always checking in with him. Like, is this, happening is this okay so I did a classic Jess and I ran I went to Europe for I think I was away for like five weeks and he was in Japan so we were separate for quite a while and I was like oh this will fix things because 
if he needs an out, this is an out. Mm. The opposite happened and it intensified the connection. So while we were both away, we were just having these conversations that were so, it was kind of yo-yoing back between, oh, we're bros, like we're talking about this girl or this guy or whatever, but then also. So you were dating other people? Yeah, we were, date, we were both we were both open to dating other people, but by this point I think we were quite, we quite liked each other. Yeah. And we were both very confused, but there was a lot of conversation about, you know, we'll work it out when we get back together. We'll work it out together. And like, I love you. I miss you. You know, you're the only thing that I'm looking forward to when I go back to Australia. So mm. it was super intense. And it started to paint a picture in my mind that maybe this guy that was my friend who's a commitment phobe, maybe this was going to be something because of this like natural transformation of feelings mm-hmm. that I'd never experienced before. So when I came back to Australia, we picked up where we left off and it was sort of like this big amalgamation of passion but also trying to be honest and vulnerable and also still trying to like run this narrative of being best friends because nobody knew either. It was secret, mm. um, <laughs> which just makes it all the more comfort. Com- I know, but also all the more exciting as well. Of course. Yeah. So we did this for a while and I knew vaguely that he was sleeping with other women, which I was okay with. But at some point he stopped being transparent about it in a way that he had been in the past. And I got to this stage where I needed some sort of clarity, like I needed to know what was going on. And the difficulty was like the only language that I had to try and define it was will we be together or not? Like I've never been in this situation before. So I know it's never black and white, but I had to go to him and say, are we going to be together? Like are we going to try this thing or not? That alone took weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I dragged him into that conversation reluctantly because I know he was scared of what was going to happen and if it was going to ruin our friendship. And eventually he said no. He said, no, I, I can't be in a relationship with you because of I'm not ready, because of, mm. I'm not like that, I'm not built like that. You know, I, I didn't think it was going that way. I didn't think you were like that. And so I was oh, fuck. <laughs> I was so heartbroken. Oh, yeah. Because I'd heard all of the things. Like I'd heard, mm. I love you, you're my person, I miss you. And I'd also seen it from him too. So I'd seen his behaviour. I saw how he treated me. I saw how much he loved me. And then he said no. And so you're trying to process this like rejection. But he's mm. like, you know, part of me is saying no because I want to save the friendship. So. It was so difficult and for a little while I couldn't talk to him. Eventually we went back to that really kind of sticky situation of where we were before, sleeping together and still best friends. Was that painful, sleeping together, not being together but being best friends and knowing that he's dating other people as well? Yeah, really painful at that point because I could no longer call any shots Like, and I knew mm. he, cared, he cared for me so much that he didn't want to be just having sex with me because that made him feel like the bad guy. So not only was I not getting what I wanted, I felt rejected, but I also was not having sex with him. So Mm. I was constantly recalibrating my feelings around what this relationship 
was and whether it was a friendship anymore, if it was more or, you know, it was just so difficult. Eventually I had to cut him off. Mm. He went away again for a little bit and came back and kind of apologised to me and said he hadn't hadn't taken enough care with my feelings and he had misunderstood me and was a lot gentler about things. So I let him back in for a little while. But eventually it just came to a head again because things had changed without my knowledge of why or when they changed. And I remember I actually had to sit him down in a park and get him to say, no, things are not the same. I don't feel like that about you because every time we'd had these conversations, he was like, of course, I love you. Of course, I want to have sex with you. You're my best friend. You're this, you're that. But I could never get this like, no, you're not that girl. So I had to, I had to force that out of him. As in like, don't string me along that this might happen when you're ready. Like, tell me I'm not the one. Is that exactly. sort of what? Yeah, okay. And he was really Oof. fearful of doing that because, A, he didn't want to hurt me, but, B, he didn't want to let me go. Like, he didn't want to lose the mm. friendship. He was getting everything he wanted. He not only yeah. had me as a best friend, but he could have sex with me. Yeah. So in the end, I actually stopped talking to him for about a year. Yeah. So we're now friends after a long time, but it's friends from a distance. And I had to spend a lot of time forgiving myself because I felt so bad about asking this question that neither of us wanted to hear, like, will you be with me? Yeah. So I had to forgive myself. I had to kind of forgive him, I guess. And yeah, after about a year where we're friends, but it's also that we can't be too close together because there's still this tension. Like we didn't ruin a relationship. We didn't break up. So we don't hate each other. We still have some sort of love for each other and you know if we were in a bar and had too many drinks I'm sure that we would sleep together again so it's just this like it's like on a knife's edge almost exactly yeah you mentioned rejection do you think that was one of the most painful parts of the whole situation yeah I mean I think naturally that's where your brain goes as a human you just like I feel rejected but I I couldn't understand because I was everything to this guy Mm. and yet he sort of valued the friendship higher than he would value any relationship that he ever had. Mm. Yet, no, I don't want a relationship with you. So it was really hard to get my head around that. I guess it's about timing as well. Yeah. So how long has this whole process been for you? Do you feel like you're on the other side of it or you're still like in it a little bit? I'm on the other side of it, 100%. Okay, great. I'm good about it now. Yeah, we don't see each other frequently. But, yeah, I still have, I'm still, I still have a soft spot for him, 100%. Mm. I believe he feels the same way about me. But it's just something that's just there. It's always going to exist. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that story. And I I guess I want to ask you a few more questions on, like, the spark. And you said that there wasn't that kind of chemistry. So a lot of people, I guess, are looking for that instant spark. This is such an interesting topic right now for me because I think about it a lot because I don't give people a chance. I want the instant spark to be there beforehand. But I guess what you were saying was, like, you built this really deep friendship beforehand. So what was that kind of like moving from the friendship into, like, sexual chemistry? It's just like. I want to use the word unfurling, like it just slowly unravels within you and it's like day by day, bit by bit, you're like, 
shit, this is really developing into something. And sometimes you don't know if it's that friendship love or if it's that intimate kind of love. Because the thing is when we connect with people in a deep way, the the brain releases oxytocin and a number of other hormones, which makes us feel closer to people anyway. So regardless of whether you're a friend or an intimate connection, that's happening. So it's easy to get confused. Mm. The difference between having a really good friend that you love and starting a relationship isn't that different. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of minute and it just depends on which way it goes. Now that you've been through this, do you think... Like, did you enjoy that process of building a friendship first? I know it hasn't sort of ended up, but was that, was it like the intimacy maybe like deeper than if you went straight into like sleeping with someone on like the third date, say? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And even though I, you know, even though I say it's it was such a painful experience, I would do it again any, like any day. Yeah. Do you find that <laughs> I was having this discussion with someone the other day because I had a very painful experience in the last probably four years, like extremely painful. And it knocked my self-esteem so badly, but I wouldn't take it back because you've put your heart on the line and like, that's what life's all about. It's like not about protecting it and making sure that you never get hurt. Yeah, I totally agree. And it was so different for me because in the past I have been all about the instant spark and the sexual chemistry Mm. and like see a guy and I'm like, yeah, I'm really into him. But with this guy, it was out of the blue and it was slow and it just yeah. built, built, which was really, it's just really beautiful when it happens. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm really trying to have an open mind because I've always been very much the same as you were, like instant spark. And it was funny that you emailed me when you did because I was like, yes, this is exactly where I'm at is like shifting into like building connection first before moving into the next step. And you also mentioned to me that falling in love with your best friend shifts the dynamic, especially when it comes to sexual intimacy. So what was the the shifting in the dynamic? Were you still like really open about the stuff that you were open about before? Yeah, we were, but that did stop. Because what happens is when you start to have sex with someone, even if you're really close friends and if they're your confidant, you get possessive Mm. and you get jealous and you Mm. get protective. So as much as he didn't want to claim those behavioural traits and I certainly was trying really hard not to be like that, it naturally kind of happens. Yeah. So I think that was definitely an added dynamic that we both struggled with. And actually I think he struggled with that more because he was... Like, I know I'm not meant to be getting jealous because you can do what you want and I do what I want. I was actually far more able to comprehend that actually, you know, he was having sex with other women, but I was the one that he felt closest to or or loved, um, whereas he struggled a bit more with it. With you dating other people? Yeah, with the prospect of it. And was your head still in the dating game at that point or you... Or it had kind of shifted? Not really. I was actively trying to distract myself with other people. Yeah. Because I knew I was in trouble with him. I knew Mm. uh, he showed me his cards. As soon as I met him, I knew exactly what he was and who he was. And I loved him for it regardless. Mm. But I really knew I was in trouble and I was trying to 
yeah, seek distraction elsewhere. But I, I'm sure definitely when I went away and just after I came back, I was certainly not really bothering to date. I was all about him. Yeah. I guess as a dating and relationship coach, do you think it is worth being more open-minded and patient in general when people are dating? Yeah, 100%. And this experience kind of has taught me that more than anything. Look, I don't think there's any point in like flogging a dead horse. Like if you meet someone once or twice and you're like, no, I can't stand to be around them, then that's a no. But I think there's something to be said for if you go on a date and you find yourself connecting with someone on some level, even if it is a friendship level, then there's no harm in pursuing it. You might not have a romantic connection, but you might come out of it as really good friends and you never know where that will go to. But I think, yeah, we all kind of need to be a little bit more open-minded in just making genuine connections and then Mm. seeing where they go. Do you think that dating apps and there's so much choice, do you think that that has led people to like I've I'm guilty of this I've written people off after a first date because I'm like oh there's a million other guys and I haven't given someone the chance that they probably deserve definitely I I definitely think that dating apps kind of have but also just general impatience by humans because Mm. we're sort of like oh yeah okay that's not for me tick on to the next thing and Mm -hmm. it's kind of assertive and confident to be like, no, nah, I know that wasn't for me. I, I'm going to spend my time elsewhere. So it's kind of, uh, it's a bit of a juggle that you need to do and be discerning and decide whether the person's worth seeing again just for the sake of a connection, not even knowing what it is or if they're absolutely not for you. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how many dates you would, because I usually will do three dates. Like I give someone three. If there's something there, like even just we've got stuff in common, I'll give it three dates. 100% three. I'm with you, three. I, mm. like, I truly don't think that we get insight into someone's real character before the end of three yeah. days. And you flip it and, like, I don't give away anything real. Like, I don't give away an, much until the third date. Exactly. We're on our best behaviour. We're, like, dressed perfectly and we're all masquerade in the early stages of dating, which is completely mm. natural because you want to make a good impression. So I think if you if you're making a decision before the end of the third date, then you're doing yourself a disservice, particularly if you decide that you really like them. And this gets us in trouble like when we leave date one and we're like, oh, my God, that's my husband because mm-hmm. it sets yourself up for disappointment later on because you, you're automatically like more attached to them, more invested, and for all you know, they could be not that invested and still dating three other people, which is totally fine. Yeah. So I think it's a real disservice to get too invested before day three. I agree with that. It's such a balance, isn't it? I'd love you to talk more about that balance between not getting too excited too early, but also being open-minded to connection. Yeah. I think that's something that I don't want to be gender specific, but I think that women do quite quickly and quite easily and it happens a lot when we talk to our friends and you know you kind of evaluate the guy or the girl and you know you get ahead of yourself and that's what pushes us into this place of getting invested too early before the three dates or before even two dates you walk away from one great date you've really enjoyed yourself which is a good thing it's a good sign but before three dates you have decided that their future husband but the reality is like 
you barely know anything about anyone before three dates. Like you don't know what their values are. You don't know what they're like when they're sick, when they're in a bad mood, how they treat their family, like because we all masquerade so much. So I think the getting invested too early thing is so dangerous because you just put your rose-coloured glasses on and all of a sudden you forget everything that matters to you. You forget your own values. You forget what you're actually looking for. And, yeah, you just kind of get carried away in fantasy land. What my therapist says to me, which I've taken this feedback on board, is like the best place for me to be in is if I leave a date or I'm like on my way to a date and I'm like no matter what happens, I'm fine on my own and that sort of shifted my mindset. There's just less attachment in those early days. So what are your thoughts on building a connection first before getting physical? I think it's really nice. And I actually had a guy follower mention that he had tried this with a girl and he's like, I want to sort of wait to have sex and I want to get to know you. And it didn't go well. What would your thoughts be for people that are like, no, it has to kind of like three date rule type thinking? I've always been super laid back about that. I think, you know, you just have sex whenever you want to have sex, like whenever it feels right. And Yep. One of my past relationships, a guy that I was with for three years, I slept with him the first night we hooked up and then, you know, the next day he held my hand and we were together for three years. Yep. So I still kind of think you should do what you need to do when you want to do it. But I do think that there is value in waiting because for the exact same reason as we're talking about three dates to get invested, because you just don't know anyone before the three dates. So if you want to really get insight into their personality, their behavior, their values, then holding off on having sex is going to help you have a more rational approach to it. Because as soon as we have sex, a lot of things happen. Oxytocin is released. We get attached. We get a little bit obsessive and Mm. we just get blurred vision around everything. And it's so easy to get so true. So easy to get sidelined with those emotions. And so rationality mm. is completely out the window. You know, it could be the greatest sex of your life, but the guy's on parole, but you're still like, oh, it's great sex, you know, and you'll find a way to to make it okay. So the more time that you spend connecting emotionally with someone, like the, the deeper the connection will be before you sleep together. And I think that's always a bonus. I think what you said was so true. I had this guy that I was a third date and he had revealed he's not looking for monogamy and I really wanted to sleep with him, but I was like, no. Yeah. I knew the feeling after what that was going to do and I was like, he's not open to like a long-term connection and so I didn't. Like I actually was really happy with that decision as much as I would have liked to have. But that's such a great example of the three-date thing because even if you – even if he told you that and you slept with him, you'd still be like, at least I know that. Yes, very true. Because that stuff doesn't come out. It's rare that that level of depth comes out in the first date. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, like the dating landscape at the moment, first date is like a coffee or a walk. So it's not, it's yes. a chemistry match. The second date yeah. you might actually get some insights into their personality. Yeah. And it's not until the third date that you can kind of match their behavior with their words and see if they're consistent with their intention. Yeah. So, yeah, three day all the way. But I know it's so hard to take it slowly. Yeah, I mean, I just had that. That was just a fourth date. Well, we've reconnected. So it was kind of a fourth date or a second date, not sure. Because it was like five hours. It was a lot of talking and getting into the value stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, we haven't slept together. So this is the date today. Yeah. It's almost like exciting that it's like building to something. 
that's the other thing that I love is like if you take it slowly, it's actually heaps more sexy because you create <laughs> around it. And I think we naturally want to squash those feelings of anxiety because we don't know if someone likes us or yes. they're going to call us. But when you go with it, it's actually so exciting because it's just elongated. 100%. You're like, I feel excited. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like kisses and it's like, it's just, it is. I agree with you. It's like a different way of dating for me right now. It's like, waiting a little bit longer especially if you're potentially going to be in a relationship with this person you only get the chance to have sex first once and you only get the chance mm. to do everything first once so you may as well like drag it out for as long as you can because that's a pleasure state <laughs> yeah hey are you dating at the moment uh <laughs> no I have been living down on the south coast of New South Wales for a long time so I just got back to Sydney I actually went on a date yesterday <laughs> And it was really good. <laughs> good. Not getting ahead of yourself, though. No, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I actually matched with him on Hinge a year and a half ago. So because oh. I was living down there for so long because of COVID. Yeah. I never thought I'd meet him. And then I finally met him and I was like, worth the wait. Oh, wow. Have you been in contact that whole time? Not really. So that's the thing. He got kind of ducked in and out of my Instagram. Yeah. And then he asked me out and then I confirmed with him and he was like, oh, I deleted it out of my calendar. I thought it'd never happen. And I was like, <sighs> oh, wow. Okay. If it's like that, then it's like that. But we ended up making plans and he came through and he's actually not my type, but I think that's a good thing for me at the moment. Yes. I'm doing the same at the moment, going for guys that aren't my usual type. It's so weird. I've never done this before. It's actually like been a game changer. I'm here for it. It's like, you know, you got to cast the net wider. And it's really scary because you're on a hinge. You're like, no, no, no. But you're like, oh, maybe I should just mm. go. Yeah. And I think everyone's starting to date again now, which is really just so, I'm so happy about it. It's so fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your story and for being vulnerable. It was really great to hear and yeah, awesome to chat. Lovely to chat to you too. So. <laughs> All right, mum, what did you think? Very interesting. It actually brought back the memory that I actually also ended up in a relationship with one of my best friends. <sighs> I don't know if you knew that. I, worked, I did know that. Oh, you did know that. I worked in a chemist every Saturday from the time I was 14 and then I changed schools in year 10 and this girl came up to me and said, oh, my God, you're a schoolgirl. My brother goes in to see you in the chemist. He had no yep. idea how old you were. So from then she and I became friends. She lived five minutes away and we spent a lot of time at her place. And not only did she have the chemist brother, but she had two other brothers and none of them appealed, BTW. Mm -hmm. So her youngest brother, who was two years older than me, started to drop by my place on his bicycle and would persist and ask me out most weekends and I always said no. But as I became friendly with his sister, he and I also became really good friends and the three of us would roam around the streets visiting people. I would sleep over at their house. Uh, not with him, end to end with her. 
Yes. Anyway, by year 11, he'd got so sick of pursuing me romantically. Yeah. We are at a party one night and he hooked up with another girl who was in my year at school and she was very pretty and nice and they started going out and I mm-hmm. just felt completely discarded and I got sort of weirdly <laughs> jealous. So one <laughs> night when I was in his house watching TV, one thing led to another and was he still with his girlfriend? He's still with his girlfriend. Oh, no, I know this is, this is not good. I don't know if it's catfishing, fly fishing, whatever it is. What? Not catfishing. What are you talking about? Fly fishing, catfishing. I'm sure there's a name for it. It's called um, cheating, but yeah. Cheating. Oh, there you go. So he was, uh, unbeknownst to me, actually still keen on me. And Ah. so he broke up with his girlfriend, which was very awkward and maybe very wrong. And we embarked on a two-year relationship. So my take from that was that we were already close and this just added an extra dimension to our friendship. But I had to laugh at you two talking about taking it slow because I did not do that with <laughs> Rob. I went in hard and fast. Yeah, date one. Hard and fast 35 <laughs> years later. <laughs> hard and fast. That's a Dan Andrews term, Linda. I know. Hard and fast like Melbourne's lockdowns. Yes. But you did take it slow with the friend that became your boyfriend. Know, you, okay, I, I have a question for you. You had no interest in, in him whatsoever. None. And I've I've been talking to my friends about this because we're all the same. Do you want what you can't have? Is that what drew you to him mm. because he then moved on? Well, he, he sort of, he moved on and then we stopped being like close friends because he had a girlfriend. I suppose I missed that. And also maybe he seemed a bit more attractive because this other girl. Girl. Uh, yeah. liked him and maybe I'd had it in my mind that he wasn't my type. Yep. I had a guy, I would have been 15, 16, 17, that I was in love with him because we would like make out at every party. I was just obsessed with him, but he would never pursue it any further and he just wasn't interested in me. And I just remember that is what sent me crazy. Mm. Is because, like, I just liked him so much. I didn't even like him for who he was. And it was just because he wasn't showing me the attention that I wanted. Yes, we all had one of those. I had one of those too. Ran into him later in life and wondered what the hell I had been thinking (laughs) when I was 16. I feel like this is definitely something where I'm trying to get out of that, of the whole you want someone that's not committing to you or someone that's not that interested because I still like I'm still like that I just want what I can't have Mm. yeah 100% so just on a completely different topic we went to friends for dinner on the weekend and there was a man there that I hadn't met before so he was clearly a senior but in very good shape well dressed lots of gray floppy hair Anyway, I asked him because I was tick, tick, tick thinking, oh, he could be good for someone I know, a single lady. And so I said, have you got a partner? And he said, oh, look, I do. She's quite a bit younger. She's 42. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how did you meet her? Tinder. Mm. So because I have a lot of knowledge now around Tinder because of this (laughs) podcast, so I said, "So sorry, how old are you? 67. Wow. He was... So good he for looked 67, good. yeah. I had well, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's similar age, incredible, he fab, yeah, that's right. But 
then I but thought, Mum, well, you're 60 and you look fab, and Dad's 62 and he looks. Fab. I know, does 67 seems even more senior than 60? <laughs> but anyway, that alerted me to the fact that there was actually a 25 year gap. And I said to mm. him, So when you're on Tinder, do you reveal your age? And he said, mm. Absolutely not. You never <gasps> push. No, exactly. You, you never that's push. That's really wrong. You never put over 60 on your Tinder profile. So he. <laughs> Seriously, so he had put down that he was 57. And so eventually he had to. (laughs) Dishonest, very dishonest. Well, eventually he had to reveal that he was 67. And she was apparently furious. But she did forgive him because they've been apparently dating for three months. So I looked up what the hell this is called. Do you know that this is called kitten fishing? Have you heard of that? Oh, no. Seriously. I have not heard of that. When you pretend to be a different person online, it's not serious. It's more like, well, you could call it serious. So you might use a profile photo that's out of date or heavily mm-hmm. edited, or it can be like a straight up lie about your age or your that's height. Cat, that's actually catfishing. No, or it's, it's not, not catfishing. Cat oh, because it's, it's kitten fishing. It's, kitten, it's not as bad. Not as bad. Kitten fishing. So I learned something <laughs> new today when I looked up anyway. He doesn't mind that you're saying, did you say I'm going to be repeating this on my podcast? No, he doesn't know me. I don't even think by the end of oh. it he knew my name. He never asked what yeah. I did, so he doesn't know I'm on a podcast. So hopefully, <laughs> okay. and the guests that had us don't know I'm on a podcast. So hopefully this is all safe and secure. I mean, I sometimes think that because I'm turning 33, I don't feel 33. Sometimes I think 33-year-olds, there's a mis... And I said this to you the other day. I think there's a misconception that we're desperate to get married and desperate to have babies. Like I'm neither desperate to get married or desperate to have babies. And sometimes I think that the perception is that we all are and that we're all grouped into that. Yeah. We're all the same. And so sometimes I feel like revealing that I'm 33 or 32 at the moment I'm sometimes I think that can like trigger in people's minds. Oh, you're in a certain phase of your life. Hundred percent trigger, exactly. Which I'm not. I'm not. And so for me, I think I'm off the dating apps at the moment. Everyone, I know, shakara. But I don't want to meet someone in between now and Thailand. So, and then also I think like I next year would like to focus a bit more on trying to meet someone in real life as well because I feel like I've. I've done the apps. Like, I'm a bit done. Maybe this age thing is more for the seniors. Well, 25 years is quite a – that's a bit – you said he looks really young. Amazing. He feels young. He looks young. He's got two concurrent careers, so. I don't think what he did was like – I think it was bad, but I don't think – like, I wouldn't discount someone because I feel it too. I get that, that like, if only I could say I was 28 because (laughs) 28-year-olds aren't in that phase yet and I think I, I kind of look good enough to be 28 right yeah so that's five years and he's chopped off 10 that's 20 that's okay 10 10 I mean off I'm, 10. I'm I wouldn't lie about my age because I think it's dishonest <laughs> he came clean in the end that's why that's a yeah it's an okay story he, he got okay. there in the end Kid, he kitten fished he didn't <laughs> he catfish so we're gonna we're gonna <sighs> accept that all right well thanks guys for joining us this week we'll be back in two weeks If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. 